Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. The voting record of the new Speaker of the House, not what you call worker-friendly. We'll run down some examples. Meanwhile, more on that historic UAW agreement at Ford. And today on the show, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters and the United Steelworkers' new president. Welcome to the Friday, October 27th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Jeff Patalero. Jeff is director of the Teamsters Brewery, Bakery, and Soft Drink Conference, teamster.org, the national website. And there's very good reason we're bringing Jeff to the show today because... Today is National American Beer Day. Every year on this date... Beer enthusiasts across the nation observe National American Beer Day. Not the imports here, American beer. And Anheuser-Busch is the largest beer maker in the world, and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters deliver that beer. And right now, they want Anheuser-Busch to deliver a much better contract. They took some concessions about four or five years ago. In fact, uh, Jeff's going to talk about this two-tier health care system. Yeah, you heard a two-tier wage system. You know, the auto workers are fighting that. And this one is a two-tier health care system. He'll explain on that. Also wages. And we're talking about a very profitable company here. We understand that uh, Anheuser-Busch made uh, close to to uh, 15 billion dollars last year 15 billion dollars last year we'll also touch on the bud light controversy that happened earlier this year it affected their sales how did it affect the drivers jeff panelero is going to talk all about that and more as our first guest later in the show we're going to check in with dave mccall who is now the international president of the united steelworkers usw.org and he was appointed that position following the death of tom conway couple of uh, weeks ago. I'll tell you, Dave is certainly the right guy for the job. And he's been on the show a number of times. I remember talking to him back in the 90s when we had the steel crisis, plant after plant shutting down. But a little background. In fact, they updated his bio on the Steelworkers website. He's a fourth-generation steelworker, born and raised in Gary, Indiana. Get this, his great-grandfather, his grandfather, great-uncles, uncle and mother, they all worked at U.S. Steel's Gary Works. He walked his first picket line when he was seven, and that happened during the strike, a 116-day-long strike in 1959. Well, Dave's grandmother, well, she urged him to attend Indiana University. This was in Bloomington, just as she had in the 1920s. But Dave, well, he enjoyed the job that he landed one summer in the maintenance department of Bethlehem Steel's Burns Harbor Works, told her that he intended to work there permanently after high school. Well, Grandma didn't like that. So, at the age of 18, Dave worked the midnight shift as a millwright at Burns Harbor, then showed up at 9 o'clock each day for classes at Indiana University in Gary, graduating 
1973 with a degree in labor studies. So he made grandma happy. And here he is today, president of a giant union. We're talking 850,000 members, usw.org. So he'll be uh, talking a whole lot about Tom Conway because he and Tom were very, very close over the years. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Well, had a really good conversation yesterday with Bill Samuel, the government affairs director of the AFL-CIO, and we're talking about the, uh, the new speaker that was selected for the House after a couple of weeks of deliberations and false starts, let me put it that way. The new guy is Mike Johnson, and uh, what the AFL-CIO has done, and they, they just covered two years here, they took a deep dive into his voting record. <laughs> In two words, not good for workers. Not good. Not good at all. I'm going to run down a few here. The first one was about a year ago, and it was a spending package. Critical investments in Medicaid, education, children's health, worker protections, keyword worker protections. After nearly 10 years, the National Labor Relations Board finally getting an increase in funding. We talked about that a whole lot on the show. The bill also included increased funding for registered apprenticeships, projects authorized by the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, funds to implement the Chips and Science Act, also includes the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, supplementary funding for the 9-11 World Trade Center Health Program. He voted against it. The VA Employee Fairness Act. You would expect that he would vote for it? No. Veteran Service Recognition Act. This bill would uh, provide vital protections for non-citizen veterans who have served our country with honor. The act puts forth a series of provisions that would help repatriate our military vets and prevent the unjust and arbitrary deportation of veterans in the future. They served our country, but we want to kick them out instead. He voted, voted that down. The Rail Workers Sick Leave Act said no to that one. Presidential Election Reform Act. Well, you knew <laughs> he's not going not gonna to go on that one. This was uh, H.R. 8873. It would help prevent another attempted coup following a presidential election by ensuring that the electoral votes tallied by Congress accurately reflect each state's public vote for the president. Well, he fought against all of that and was a big supporter of Trump and what happened on January 6th. Inflation Reduction Act was against that one. The Chips and Science Act, he voted that one down. National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2023. Let's see. Rights for Transportation Security Administration Workforce Act. That's uh, the TSA officers who topped out at like $40,000 a year after 30 years of service. They needed a pay raise, the first pay raise in decades. He voted that one down. He even voted against the PACT Act. Now, that's the uh, legislation for a number of VA healthcare issues, expanding eligibility to vets and extending presumptions to conditions relating to burn pit, toxic exposure, and Agent Orange. And lastly, the Postal Service Reform Act, which was badly needed to make sure that the post office got the funds they needed. Every one of those he voted against. Every one of those pieces of legislation. That's going back only about 
two years. He's been in Congress since uh, 2016. Let's switch over to the auto workers, and um, we're still getting details on the contract that the UAW worked out with Ford this week. Got a comment here from uh, Sean Fain, the president. He said, for months we have said that record profits mean record contracts, and UAW family, our stand-up strike has delivered. What started at three plants at midnight on September 15th has become a national movement. We things nobody thought was possible. Since the strike began, Ford put 50% more on the table than when we walked out. The agreement sets us on a new path to make things right at Ford, at the big three, and across the auto industry. Together, we're turning the tide for the working class in this country. Our union has united in a way we haven't seen in years. From the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico, our members came together to tell the big three with one voice that record profits mean a record contract. That comment from Chuck Browning, vice president of the UAW, who went on to say, thanks to the power of our members on the picket line and the threat of more strikes to come, we have won the most lucrative agreement per member since Walter Ruther was president. That's pretty significant. The gains in the deal, outlined by Fain and Browning, valued at more than four times the gains, four times the gains from the contract of 2019. They also provide more in base wage increases than Ford workers has received, have received in the last 22 years. The agreement grants 25% in base wage increases through April of 2028 and will raise the top wage by over 30% to more than $40 per hour and raise the starting wage by 68% starting wage to $28 an hour. We had uh, some auto workers, new hires. I remember talking about the Jeep plant in Toledo that we're making, and this was after about a year or two, $17 an hour. Well, that's all going to change. Hopefully, they'll pattern the agreement that Ford reached with the UAW. The lowest paid workers at Ford will see a raise of more than 150% over the life of the agreement, with some workers receiving an immediate 85% increase immediately upon ratification. Now, mind you, all this is being discussed this weekend, and uh, we'll find out more probably Monday or Tuesday of next week. And right now, GM and Stellantis, well, they're the focus of a of an agreement that's going to be patterned after this one. We'll see what happens here. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, talk about a new contract they want with Anheuser-Busch. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. 
hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. We'll be hearing from Dave Meganhart, Executive Director of that organization. Great organization. That'll be uh, next Wednesday on the show. ULAgency.org is a website. All right, let's go to uh, line number one. Welcome a newcomer to the show. His name is Jeff Patalero. Jeff is director of the Teamsters Brewery, Bakery, and Soft Drink Conference. And I was indicating beginning of the show. Today is National American Beer Day. This is the day we celebrate American beer. And I'll tell you, the best-selling American beer is Anheuser-Busch products, Bud, Bud Light, you name it. They got Michelob in that lineup, too, I believe. And, oh, my gosh, there's just too many to count. But uh, Jeff Patalero comes from Local 633, which is based in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. They have about 5,000 strong there. And they represent, of course, Anheuser-Busch, UPS, some public sector workers. But he is trying to get a new contract here for the people that deliver that American beer. Jeff Patalero, welcome to uh, America's Workforce. So you're telling me, you're a longtime Teamster. How long a Teamster here, Jeff? Well, thank you for having me. I've been a Teamster for 37 years. 37 years. You ever think about retiring or you like the job too much? You want to stay stay going there? Oh, no, I, in, I enjoy the job. It's, uh, it's a great challenge. Uh, we love, I love to uh, fight for American workers and, you know, union workers. And it's just, a, it's a great job. And, you know, we have renewed enthusiasm with our new general president, Sean O'Brien. And 
it's just, uh, you know, things are rocking and rolling, and it's it's great. I like to hear that. You got a lot of fight. You know, the Teamsters always had a lot of fight in them. No, no doubt about that. It's a very, very storied history. But I'll tell you, this has been one heck of a year for you with that UPS contract. Your guys, your guys at uh, six thirty-three, got to be pretty happy about that, huh? Yes, yes. It was uh, the contract was overwhelmingly ratified nationally, uh, including obviously local six thirty-three and. You know, it's it. In my opinion, it reset the labor movement and, and what's happening. It was a great contract for 340,000 Teamsters, headed up by uh, headed up by our general president, and you know everybody going in the same direction for the first time in forever. And you know the results were incredible. Well, Jeff, I got to salute the the Teamsters here and the new leadership there with Sean O'Brien. I'll tell you, I remember last year he said right away we're going to get a good contract at UPS, and he certainly delivered. And I guess the same kind of strategy is happening here with Anheuser-Busch. I understand that the, the talk started a couple of weeks ago. Well, let's, let's talk about it here. Let's talk about the history here at Anheuser-Busch. And, uh, you know, there's been some bumps in the road over the years. Marketing, <laughs> faux pas, we could talk about that as well. But uh, how are we doing so far on that? We're making progress. Uh, negotiations began with uh, our local supplements the end of August, and uh, once we got the local supplements fairly well ironed out, and a couple of hangover issues, uh, you know, we've got international bargaining starting in uh, in mid September, and we're making progress. Uh, much okay. like the the plan put together for UPS, uh, we've communicated to the company these are our must-have issues. Uh, most notably, or most communicated has been the two-tier healthcare system, and some of these holdover issues that that we've inherited from a prior administration. And we've told the company straight out: these are going to be deal breakers that must be dealt with. And while we're going to continue to negotiate, we've told them you need to make a plan to fix these things. It's interesting you talk about this two-tier healthcare system and you know the big uh, deal with the auto workers has been the two-tier wage system. I have not heard about a two-tier healthcare system. Can you explain what happened here? So what happened was uh I believe two contracts ago uh the then administration negotiated after a certain point believe it was actually I believe it was 2019 uh, after a certain point anybody hired after that would go into a high deductible plan and it's just costing people uh, it's costing people a ton of money to have this insurance and uh, meanwhile the the older employees have the great health care plan great teams to health care plan that they've always had and you know we call it burying the unborn you know, these people that are now being forced into this second-tier health care plan weren't here when that was uh, when that was put in, and now they're here, and they're not happy about it. When you say high deductible, high, how high are we talking about here, Jeff? Oh, thousands of dollars, and then there's the then there's the out of pocket, and uh, it's just it's just not sustainable. You know, in in some cases, people are paying. Uh, paying a lot of money week in and week out to have the insurance. And then, you know, there's higher uh, co-pays when you go to the doctor and 
you know, you're, you're fronting a lot of money in emergency room visits and things that the older employees don't have to pay. So that happened almost five years ago. Um, a lot of, now we're yeah. talking five, we're talking 5,000 that deliver Anheuser-Busch products here. A big chunk of them are under that high deductible right now? Uh, a little over a third of them. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. So has that come up in the negotiations already? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've been, uh, you know, we communicated that, you know, again, much like the, the plan that the general president put together with UPS. Uh, we told the company well ahead of time, we're coming to fix this, uh, among other things. And, you know, this is going to be one of the major, one of the major uh, items that our membership has told us. This is this needs to be fixed, uh, like a like a lot of uh, like a lot of workers during the pandemic. Uh, they had to they had to work through the pandemic at risk to themselves and their families. And now you know we're telling uh, we're telling Anheuser Bush they need to be made whole for everything for all the sacrifices they put forth. And the two tier healthcare system is one piece of that, a major piece of it. And during that pandemic, a lot of people were drinking beer and making, making a lot of money for Anheuser-Busch. I understand they're, well, they are the largest beer maker in the world, but uh, their, their revenue is pretty, uh, pretty outstanding. Can you uh, give us some numbers on that? Uh, Anheuser-Busch's uh, revenue is approximately 57 plus billion dollars and their uh, net profit last year was a little over 14 billion. So they're doing fine. Uh, our members, they're the ones that produce it, and they're the ones that make sure it's, you know, they're the ones making all the money for this company, and they're looking for their share of the pie. Yeah. Well, so far, the talks are doing, are doing okay, and the deadline, I guess the deadline is what, the end of February? for the contract? That's correct. The contract expires at the end of February. Uh, we're meeting every other week uh, to try to get things done. I mean, you, you, you've got 12 breweries uh, that, are, that are represented by 11 different local unions uh, throughout the Teamsters. And the Brewery, Bakery, and Soft Drink Conference uh, of which I'm the director, we're, uh, we're heading the negotiations up. And, okay. and of course, general president, he oversees it. Uh, and he's actually been at the table with us. That has to be pretty interesting with Sean O'Brien at the table. Can you, can you share some of, some of what's going on <laughs> that are, well, or are, you're not at Liberty to? Well, I can't really share other than to say, of course, uh, you know, Sean O'Brien is a presence. I can tell you that he conveyed the message to Anheuser-Busch. Uh, across the table that we're going to have the best contract that Anheuser-Busch uh, has ever given to the Teamsters. Uh, we're going to demand our fair share. We're going to demand that uh, the, the, our members, their employees, are made whole for their sacrifices during the pandemic, and that is uh, there'll be no concessions, and we're going to roll back the concessions that were uh, implemented by a prior administration. Now, Jeff, when he said that, what, what was their reaction? Was there silence in the room, or, or did they just suck it all up? Uh, they were silent. You know, they, they thanked him for, you know, for coming to the meeting. 
uh, you know, and, you know, they said they understood and, you know, we've been, uh, you know, we've been making, uh, making progress since, since he explained to them the way of the teamster world. Mm-hmm. Jeff Patalero joining us in our live line today. He's director of the Teamsters Brewery, Bakery, and Soft Drink Conference. Teamster.org is the website. We're talking about 5,000 brewery workers nationwide, all working for Anheuser-Busch, making a whole lot of money, over $14 billion in 2022. But they're... They had a couple of problems, and I think everybody is familiar with the Bud Light controversy. We'll talk about that. And uh, later in the show, we're going to go to the United Steelworkers and check in with the new international president. That would be Dave McCall talking about the passing of Tom Conway. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight iron worker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great iron worker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. It's crazy. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be replaced by machines. So the jig is up, AMPTP. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's go. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWaterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. Hey, this is Sean McGarvey, and I'm president of North America's Building Trades Unions, and I'm a proud listener of America's Workforce. I love this podcast. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers, oh.aft.org. Well, today is National American Beer Day. Every year on this date, October 27th, beer enthusiasts across the nation observe National American Beer Day. A lot of imports out there. Forget the imports. American beer is what we're talking about. And uh, interesting history on this day, the average chronological age of beer is estimated to be 7,000 years. 7,000 years. Hard to believe it went back that far. Well, the people that deliver the beer, that's what we're focusing on today, and that would be the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, who are currently in contract talks with Anheuser-Busch, the largest beer maker in the world. Just to brief you, if you missed the first segment, $57.79 billion in revenue last year. And the profit, well, just shy of $15 billion. Jeff, if you don't mind, it was uh, earlier this year. There's this controversy with Bud Light, and it was obviously a management thing, a marketing thing. Um, Just wondering, uh, how did that affect the, the drivers and all this? Because I tell you, everywhere you went, you heard about this, and it, it got ugly at times. Social media exploded. What's, uh, what's your take on what happened with that, uh, with, with Bud Light? Well, I mean, we look at it as though, you know, that was a, uh, it was clearly a management decision. It was a, a marketing decision that, you know, the, the, the rank-and-file members who produced the beer, you know, certainly it was nothing – they had anything to do with, and we've told the company, you know, nothing to see here. We're moving along. We, uh, we're not going to be deterred in our mission to negotiate the strongest contract possible. And they haven't necessarily brought it up at the table. Uh, we haven't brought it up at the table because we're not going to be deterred from our mission to get our membership the strongest contract possible. Got a focus going forward here. Um, just wondering here, are we past it now? Uh, is, is, is the controversy pretty much over? Sales have picked up, to your knowledge, anyway? Uh, you know, again, my, our focus is at the bargaining table. Uh, you know, we're just, we're just moving forward at, at the table. You know, all of our members are still working, uh, doing the best job they can, so... You know, we, we're not letting that be a distraction for us. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Okay. You've been, you've been 37 years a team, sir. You've, you've been down this road before when it comes to negotiating. How does this compare with other contract negotiations with, uh, with Anheuser-Busch? Uh, it's a difficult contract. You know, there's a lot of moving parts. We've got 12 breweries spread across the country, represented by 11 teams to local unions. Uh, approximately 5,000 members. Uh, so there's there's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, unlike previous nego- negotiations, uh, we're focused, we're united, and we're bringing the message forward that, you know, two-tier healthcare system is not going to work. Uh, previously negotiated uh, concessions uh, need to be fixed, need to be addressed. And we're looking to have the strongest contract possible. And we've told the company, uh, in fact, when the general president, General President Sean O'Brien, came 
to negotiations, he told the company, we will not work one day past contract expiration. Uh, and we've been carrying that message uh, since. You know, we're working diligently to get uh, the members the strongest contract we can, and we're going to be successful. That contract, by the way, expires February 29th of uh, 2024. I'm just wondering here, though, that we've seen a lot of change in uh, managerial staff over the years, especially uh, new people coming in, grilled to fight unions, to be very vigilant. I'm just wondering, and that, that's why I'm trying to pick your brain a little bit, to see if they if they got people in those talks that are, are um, well, you know, they're trying to suppress your demands, trying to hold you back a little bit. And I'm just, that's what I'm trying to get at as far as comparing to years past. You see any of that happening at this point? Uh, I can't speak to what's going on behind the scenes, but I can tell you uh, the Teamsters are more militant than we've ever been. Uh, you know, Sean O'Brien leads by example, and, you know, we've put them on notice. This is what we need. We're going to have the best contract possible. We will not work past expiration. So in the event that this company wants to drag its feet and plot along and try to sort of, you know, stymie the negotiating process, they'll end up putting themselves on strike, our membership, uh, has said in order to meet their demands by a 97% margin, they've said if we need to strike, we're prepared to strike to fix the ills of the past and to, and to get the strongest contract possible. So we've got the membership on our side, and we've conveyed that message to the company. We conveyed that message to the company probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. So Boy, no surprises. There should be no surprises. I'm sorry. No, I, I mean, the, the militancy that you talked about, if we can pick up on that for a minute or two, because there is a militancy out there that did not exist in years past. I mean, look what happened with the auto workers here. Uh, they were playing hardball with the big three, and we got a deal this week with the Ford Motor Company, and hopefully we'll see a deal at the GM and Stellantis. But can you speak to that? It's like a new day for unions, don't you think? Well, workers are empowered. Uh, you know, there's an overall shortage of workers, and correspondingly, union workers are standing up and saying, hey, we came to work during the pandemic. We're essential workers. Corporations, Anheuser-Busch included, made record profits during the pandemic, and they made those record profits on the backs of union workers. And now... It's time for uh, for them to recognize that, fix the ills of previous uh, contracts, and move forward. And the members are not saying please. They're saying this is what we need. We're either going to have it or the company's going to put themselves on strike. There you go. Please is off the table. <laughs> All right. Jeff Padalero, director of the Teamsters Brewery, Bakery, and Soft Drink Conference. Again, we're talking 5,000 brewery workers nationwide, Anheuser-Busch. And how many how many members in the Soft Drink Conference altogether, Jeff? There's approximately 90,000 uh, Teamsters throughout the United States and Canada. There you go. Teamster.org for complete updates. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Keep in touch with us, okay, brother? You got it. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Dave McCall is the new international president of the United Steelworkers, and he's coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com.
It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at IFPTE.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Before we get to a Dave McCall, got to give a shout-out here to Scott Paul and the team at the Alliance for American Manufacturing, which is affiliated with the United Steelworkers. And Dave is the new international president following the passing of Tom Conway. But... I announced this a couple of days ago, and I want to hit it pretty hard because we're talking about Made in America, Made in America holiday gift guide. And uh, what the Alliance is doing, they are asking you to help them out. If you have a favorite Made in the USA company that you think should be included in this year's guide, well, send them an email, giftguide at aamfg.org. That's the email, giftguide at aamfg.org and tell them all about it. The Made in America Holiday Gift Guide is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year and it's going to be bigger and better than ever, especially if you as a listener of America's Workforce make a contribution to it. Tell them what's made in America in your respective town or state and it'll go in there and we'll have Scott on the show to talk about it. Right now though, let's go to line number two and welcome to new International President of the United Steelworkers, longtime sponsor of America's Workforce, USW.org, 
Dave McCall, welcome to the show. And I'll tell you, this is kind of bittersweet for you. I mean, you and I go back 25 years talking here on the show when uh, we were going through the steel crisis in the 90s. And uh, I know you worked with Tom Conway so closely, and uh, all of a sudden he's gone. He's gone, and now you're the head guy. Has it sunk in yet, brother? I mean, this this has had to be transformational for you. Well, uh yeah, it's uh, it's been a difficult time, um, but you know Tom and I, as you said, Tom and I worked very closely together, uh, especially uh, you know over the last uh, several years around COVID because we just had to coordinate so many different things. I mean, uh, so a lot of the a lot of the things that he was working on, a lot of the things that he was providing leadership for, uh, you know, our offices are right down the hall from each other. We were pretty close about that. Although there's lots of details that uh, I maybe lots of times didn't pay enough attention to, um, but it is what it is. And, you know, he and I were friends 45 years. We worked in a mill together, uh, raised our kids together, lived five miles apart when we were still in the mills. So uh, it is very bittersweet for me and, uh, it's very sad, uh, his passing, uh, for me, both personally and professionally. He, uh, as I said, he's my best friend for 45 years. So it's a difficult time for all of us. Well, Dave, let's use this opportunity right now to really get into what Tom Conway was all about and his legacy, because he was a fighter much like yourself. And, uh, he, he did, he wanted the best for the membership. Like like any good union president would want, can you can you give us some some insight on what he accomplished? And we're talking only four years, but as you mentioned, I mean, still four decades working for members here. But in those four years, he accomplished quite a lot. Can you uh, can you give us some uh, insight? Sure. You know, before I start doing that, though, I I heard you talking about Scott Paul um, and the great work uh, that he and he's team do. And that's one of the things Tom would tell you that, uh, how important their advocacy is in Washington and bringing, uh, highlights, uh, to people around, uh, made in America. And, you know, I think to, to a large degree, um, Tom had a lot to do with, um, uh, with, with initially founding, uh, Scott's group and, and the work that they do and putting people together. Um, so, it's like everything else he did. He, oh, he, you know, one of the things that he focused on his 15 years as vice president of administration before becoming president was uh, fair trade and, and issues around buying in America and preventing dumping from other countries. I mean, we, you and I have talked many, many times uh, on this show and, uh, and, and at other venues uh, about uh, unfair trade and, and what it does to American jobs and, manufacturing America. And that was one of uh, Tom's big, um, uh, big items that he always worked on. And, you know, he had, listen, I, as I said to you earlier, we worked closely together for 45 years. He had a great strategic mind and a great quick wit. Uh, I could tell you story after story about times that most people uh, would be lost for words that uh, Tom came up with something that either left the other side um uh, thinking about, well, what's coming next or wondering just exactly, uh, what was going to come next. Um, you know, there was times when we'd be in bargaining and I, I'm convinced that we'd put a proposal on the table and 
by the time he got done with management, they thought it was their proposal. Um, so <laughs> he, was, he was passionate about fairness and about equity and all the things that our members care about. Um, and, you know, most recently, and you know, even I would say even before uh, we were we all suffered with COVID, um, that he was really focused on opportunities for our members, um, you know, into the green economy and into the future. He talked a lot about and put a lot of people in place uh, to give them opportunities about what the next generation of activists and leaders were going to be in our union. I mean, uh, you know, he and I both been around for a long enough time that we got to make sure we got successors in place. And Tom was really mm -hmm. very much focused on that. So focused on the future was important to him. And uh, it was... Uh, it was certainly a passion of his uh, to make sure that we left the union in a better place than we found it. And he certainly did, no doubt about that. You know, you know, one thing I admired about him too, because we, I try to get him on the show as many times as possible, and he said, you know, um, we, I want to spread it around. There's other voices here at the Steelworkers, and there, boy, you have many. I mean, eight hundred fifty thousand strong, no doubt about that. But he uh, he wanted to share those voices with our audience, and I, I really did appreciate that. That was really, really cool. And, and if we can maybe elaborate on that, because there's one thing, and we, we have a lot of unions on this show, as you well know. Diversity is so important in the world we live in today. And Women of Steel, I mean, all the different programs that you have at the Steelworkers to advance the diversity of the union, healthcare sector, and all that. He was a huge proponent. Can you, uh, can you speak to that, Dave? Well, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I, we all talk about it all the time, but, but, uh, you know, as an international president and providing leadership, uh, he certainly talked about not just the diversity of our, of our sectors. And, and we always, when we talk about it at our board meetings, we always talk about, we are the uh, we, we are focused across all of manufacturing America, but also a lot of private sector work, whether it be health care or municipal workers. You know, we represent uh, public sector uh, uh, or public service uh, attorneys, uh, prosecuting attorneys, uh, bailiffs. Um, you know, we, we uh, represent workers that make baseball bats and... Uh, and, and buns for McDonald's. So, and all the while we're making steel and we're in refineries and making glass and uh, all kinds of paper products. So uh, it, we think that that brings a lot of strength to our union, but more importantly is really recognizing the diversity of our membership. I mean, it is so important to think about the power you can bring or the leverage you can bring to any issue when you have so many people from different backgrounds, uh, from different experiences, to make sure that our members are widely represented on all the important issues. And when you talk about, you know, the work that our union has done in uh, Women of Steel and in uh, civil rights and our next generation programs, bringing uh, young, young steel workers into leadership positions, and it's around education and communication and making sure that, that we get the best ideas at the table um, is is always important. And they're our number one priority as far as that goes. And I think Tom's leadership in all those categories uh, 
is very, very important. You know, uh, although it's, um, you use the term bittersweet, uh, but um, it, it's more than bittersweet. His passing, uh, which our board, um, uh, you know, uh, moved me into the international president's position from the vice president of administration's position. Uh, one of our district directors um, that uh, we we elected to take my place, Emil Ramirez, who was a director out of District 11, his replacement is a woman by the name of Kathy Drummond. She's the first um, uh, woman who's a district director in our union in all the years of our union. But that's because she got her start in the Women of Steel program and and elevated herself through local union leadership and and uh, in her staff jobs. And she was Emil's assistant, and she's now uh, a district director, not the first woman to sit on our board, but the first district director to sit on our board. And I think that's an important landmark for us. And, you know, as the future goes on, as our union expands into uh, being representing uh, more women who are in the workforce, more minorities in the workforce, uh, I think our board becomes more and more uh, diversified as well. And that gives us strength and yeah. that gives us power. And we think that's important. You want to look like America. I mean, that's, 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 that's what this is all about. That's right. Um, unfinished business here. Um, Tom's death was sudden and there had to be, and there's probably a, a million things that he was working on. And, and here you are, you're the, you're the president now. Uh, there's gotta be something at the top of the list, maybe the top two or three things you want to pick up on that. What, what's, what's on the agenda here? Yeah. Well, listen, one of the things that we are working on and our, our whole union has been working on and, and you know, a lot to do with, um, Tom's leadership is taking advantage of some of the administration's programs that have, that have come forward, whether it's a, the infrastructure program, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, the Chips and Science Act. Uh, we've been in contact with, you know, many of our employers and, and also many new employers or potential employers uh, that we're signing uh, neutrality agreements with uh, around uh, using uh, that legislation, those, those pieces of legislation around carbon capture and wind and solar projects, hydrogen, which I think is so important to the, to the future of the steel industry in terms of uh, decarbonizing or reducing carbon in the steel industry. Uh, we've got employers that are working on batteries and battery storage programs uh, cement, uh, carbon, decarbon cement, and all the, and so there's does literally dozens Ed, of projects uh, that our union has been working on, advancing uh, some of those funds to expand the economy, to expand uh, work opportunities for our members. And uh, you know, when I say just take, for example, um, uh, in the in the steel industry, you know, we use a lot of coke in, in terms of the integrated steel process. Um, there's, a, there's a replacement for coke, it's hydrogen, uh, clean hydrogen that can, uh, you know, ha have total uh, zero carbon uh, associated with it. But those hydrogen plants have to be built next to where those coke plants are. So that as our members transition uh, out of coke and out of carbon, 
uh, into things like DRI and into hydrogen, we can maintain employment and actually expand it, you know. And I think, you know, I go back into the, even into the 70s around the clear, uh, Clean Air and Water Act. You know, we got lots of new equipment in our steel mills around um, cleaning up water and cleaning up air, and that provided many jobs. In some ways, maybe we, some of the companies and us, maybe fought some of that technology because we thought it was going to eliminate jobs, but in fact, it created them. And that's the way uh, we have to think about it. We have to dovetail uh, with um, the green economy and with new technology into our replacement manufacturing facilities. And that's an important effort on our part. And I think, uh, you know, with the people that we have in Washington, led up by our Vice President at Large, Roxanne Brown, uh, I think we're really going to move forward into a lot of those projects, and it's going to be important for our members in the future. Oh, I love Roxanne Brown. She's been on the show a couple of times. She's she's a fighter there, Dave. You got a good one there. You know that. She's fabulous. She's absolutely fabulous. I don't know how she keeps it all in her mind, but she certainly does. Yeah, good stuff there. Okay, just to wrap up, I know you're busy. You got a lot on your plate here. What's the best way? What's the best way to remember Tom Conway, in your opinion, Dave? I think the best way to remember him is just in, in the way in which he was so passionate about our members. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's sad to say this, um, and it's sad for me to say it as I think about it even. But when we found out he was sick, which was in late May, uh, he and I talked a lot. And uh, he said, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be a burden uh, to my boys or to my union. Uh, he was never a burden to our union. His passion um, kept us moving forward and succeeding all the time. And that's how you need to remember Tom Conway is about the passion he had for our members. Dave McCall, International President of the United Steelworkers. Dave, thank you for uh, for sharing what you knew about Tom Conway. Certainly one person we're going to miss and certainly one we're going to remember. You take care, stay safe, stay strong, and we'll talk down the road. Okay, brother? Thanks, Ed. Talk to you soon. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up on Monday, the Immigration Judges Union and the Illinois AFL-CIO. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful weekend. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.